Hi everybody, it's Lynn Panetti here and welcome to another another episode of Dawncast. And today I have a special guest named Chi Singfa, all the way from Melbourne. Welcome Chi. Well, hi. Great to be here yeah. with you. Wish I was in Sydney. Yeah. So Chi, he is the CEO of Clayton Church and he was actually introduced to me by my friend Chi, his other brother named Chi. <laughs> and um, I couldn't wait to invite him to this uh, chat today because he had such an amazing adversity story and I want people to be inspired and kind of learn some lessons on how to actually overcome their own adversity. So welcome. Well, great. No, thank you. Well, thanks for having me here. Yeah. Yeah. So Chi, tell me, you know, bring me back to that time when um, I know with one of your biggest adversity was learning that you have stage four cancer. Uh, you know, how did it feel and where were you at the time? Yeah, well, um, yeah. So just give a bit of context. So um, I was 24 when I got married uh, to my late wife um, and uh, we knew each other through, at university and she was a doctor, I was a dentist and uh, we got married uh, in November of uh, 2004 and then six months in then I was diagnosed with um, cancer. So I actually had a lump on my neck and so we just had it checked out, they did a biopsy then they found that the cancer was behind my nose, it's called the nasopharynx. And then uh, they did that Then they found out, they did a full body scan and they found out that um, the cancer had gone to my right hip and metastasized. And so, um, yeah, so it was six months into our marriage. It was quite surreal, very painful, obviously. Uh, you don't expect to start your marriage life and your family life like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it was quite devastating and our, our, our world crumbled, but yet there's also hope in it, yeah. Yeah, so how did you feel? Would you in kind of a shock? What was the stages of, of, of experience when you're receiving such news like that? Yeah, so I, I think this, the, the news came in stages. So, mm. so it kind of like was progressive, you know, so it wasn't like bang, one big hit kind of thing. Um, so when I first had the lump, it was, you always have this uncertainty. I didn't have the, the risk factors of cancer and stuff like that because we're semi-medical. So we, we kind of know uh, a little bit about that. And so, but it really was a bit of a surprise when it did come back and they said it was cancerous. And so it was a lot of waiting period, a lot of anxiety around that, uncertainty, question marks, life is outside of your control. Uh, and then, you know, I had to wait a few weeks to, to get a biopsy of the cancer behind my nose to confirm it. And then when it was, obviously it was devastating because they said, look, this is a survival rate of, uh, you know, uh, 85%. So it's pretty good at that time. Then later they do a full body scan a few weeks later, which is um, um, uh, stock standard um, kind of triaging. And then they found that there was something on my right hip and then I had to get a biopsy of that. And and then later when I did find out, uh, I remember going to the doctor's office in Peter Mac and she, uh, she's the best radio oncologist with my particular kind of cancer. And uh, and then she just said, uh, look, the, the, the prognosis is uh, only 15% of people survive in five years. And they just said this, there's no cure for this. Uh, and it was devastating. I was shocked. I was a little bit numb. They were going to treat me um, palliatively. Um, but then a whole turn of events, they decided to actually um, go aggressive because I was young and, and to go through the treatment. But obviously it was, it was hard. Uh, I remember I was working in my dental surgery at lunchtime. I got the news for that first news that was cancerous for my lump in my neck. Uh, and then, um, and then uh, they told me over the phone of all things. <laughs> and then I, I went to finish my patients, bought some flowers, went went home to my late wife, and then, uh, and we just cried. You know, it was it was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So how did you, you know, handle that or that whole process? Like, 
was there some sort of practice, like mental practice that you you had to go through to get yourself staying motivated every day? Or yeah, um, yeah, there, there were. Well, I don't know whether I had something to to put into place, but it just kind of evolved naturally. I'm, mm. I'm obviously I'm a uh, uh, I'm a pastor of, of my church, or if you want to put it, CEO, the mm -hmm. lead uh, person. Um, and so faith is a very big element of my journey, and I guess. Um, having the person of Jesus um, helping me, uh, speaking to me, the relationship with God that I had really, really shaped how I was able to walk through it. Mm. Um, so I'll give you an example, like, you know, um, Jesus died on that cross and he was not unfamiliar with suffering. And so all of a sudden you have someone uh, in your life who kind of is able to overcome, but also familiar with suffering. And, and that brings a lot of hope. That brings a lot of um, uh, empathy and understanding um, but yeah, there were, there were quite a few things I had to process through like expectations, you mm -hmm. know, like take one day at a time, uh, because it's a long journey. It's a whole different world when you're sick, um, coming to terms and accepting that, you know, your, your future is a little bit uncertain. Mm -hmm. Uh, how, how do you deal with the community around you? Because they, they want to help the grieving, but sometimes they project because it's not really about you. Sometimes it's just about them having a friend who's got cancer and how they're coping mm. and having to deal with some of those um, community expectations. Um, my marriage between my late wife and I, um, you know, how we would cope with it together through it all, dealing with your uncertainty about the future, like having children, mm. um, a whole bucket load of things. Yeah, yeah. So were you already raised as a Christian? And so when you had cancer, you were already just turning to God because you were already a Christian? Uh, no, no. I, I grew up in a non-Christian family. Um, we migrated from Malaysia when I was eight, and I kind of grew up in that church. So even though um, I would say I was more religious than I was uh, having a, a personal faith, um, but it was only in university that I came to faith and uh, gave my life to Jesus. And, you know, um, he became quite real. Um, and I guess out of that, when I entered into this phase, uh, that relationship was already there. Mm. And what do you say when, you know, sometimes when people do have a religion or Christian and when something bad happens like that, they kind of turn to God, like, why me? Like, I thought you're supposed to take care of me. Did you have those moments or what would you advise if someone's really thinking like that? Yeah, I, I would say um, uh, I think there's, it's only natural for people to feel that for sure. Um, it's just how you walk through that and process that. Um, I think it's important to realize that um, I, it's, I don't believe God caused it. I think in, in the way we as Christian worldview think, I believe is that since um, uh, the fall, <laughs> when, when Adam sinned, uh, the world is then broken and sickness and brokenness entered into that world. And this is all part and parcel of it. Um, obviously, there are things that we do that invite sickness, right? Mm. If you smoke your whole life, of course, you're going to get the risk of lung cancer. But this is one of those situations where there wasn't really anything that I was contributing to that, that led to, to such a, a disease. Mm. Um, and so it can feel even unfair in that sense, you know. So the wrestling of, um, you know, I'm a good person and all that. But I realized at the end of the day, two things. One is that uh, what's unique about Jesus in our faith is that he's a God who suffered. Mm. And, and I think that's, but yet he res resurrected and rose from the dead three days later. And why that's significant is that he can empathize with our suffering and our brokenness, but yet he can help us overcome it, you know? And, and, and so I found great comfort in that. That's one. And I think the second thing is recognizing that everything that I have, God is God and he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> mm. 
you know, um, and, and so me coming to terms that I don't understand everything, but I still trust that he's good uh, really helps that. Yeah. Well, the good news is you're still here. So tell me more about what happened. Was it, were you cleared from cancer or is it completely out of your system? Yeah, so I basically went through 18 weeks of chemo. I was meant to. I went through nine weeks and they found it wasn't working. Then I went through seven weeks of head, neck, pelvis radiotherapy. And then through that, the, um, the, the cancer had actually uh, gone in remission and gone away. Mm. Uh, the really sad thing is two weeks in my radiotherapy, my late wife had a slip disc and a back operation. And so she was in hospital. So she was in one hospital in Melbourne private. And then I, I was at Peter Max. So I would go for my radiotherapy. Then I go visit her in Melbourne private. It was horrible, <laughs> horrible time. Uh, so anyway, long story short, I went through my treatment and then uh, I've been in remission since. I'm, I'm one of the longest cancer survivors with that particular kind of cancer. Um, yeah, so now um, occasional side effects. I've got a bit of hearing loss, a bit of loss of uh, saliva flow because of the radiotherapy. But apart from that, I'm, I'm, I'm generally pretty good. So I'm, I'm, I've gone past the 10-year mark. I'm uh, wow. already like 13 years in remission. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's changed my outlook in life and my pursuit. Yeah. yeah, tell me more like, okay, if you look at yourself prior to having cancer, I know you're a lot younger too, so you're obviously now you're more older and mature, but what was your outlook like before if you're looking at compared it to now, the way you see life? Yeah, um, I think um, because I had to deal with death and, and tragedy at a young age, I think sometimes people can live until they're 40 but still not deal with that. Mm. Uh, from a very personal front. You know, I have a, a brother, a father, or someone like that who had, you had to deal with. But when, you, when it comes to home, home base, it's a whole different ballgame. Mm. Um, so I think a few things um, came out of that. Um, one was my understanding of the value of time. I think um, there was a, a Bible verse that says, teach us the number of days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And I remember reading that and I was like, oh man, medically speaking, my days are numbered. Then I'm like, man, how am I going to live then? And I wanted to make my life count. So when I came out of it, I was going, I was doing dentistry at that time, but I just thought um, nothing wrong with dentistry. I think it's a great career, pays well. You can do a lot of, make it do a lot of good through it. But I just felt that really empty, real discontentment. And then I just felt this sense of call and purpose into church ministry because I've just known that massive life difference that Jesus makes. And so I wanted other people to know that. And so uh, I then that's why I've kind of given up dentistry. It's my, my old life. Yeah. And then now uh, gone into full-time work as a pastor of a church. Um, so that's one, because I wanted to make my life count. Mm. I wanted to not take it for granted. Mm. Uh, and I felt that not as a theory, but yeah. as a real urgency. Um, so that's one. Uh, so um, before that, I was a really happy-go-lucky guy. I didn't take anything seriously. Mm. But then I became really aligned, really purposeful, really intentional in everything that I did. Uh, and, um, and I think the second aspect uh, of it is just recognizing the value of people and presence and, and, and the value of obviously God in our lives. Mm. Um, yeah. So how many years later after you've had your cancer that your your late wife passed away? Yeah, so this is the, the tragedy Second, around yeah. that. <laughs> so the, um, my, wife, my late wife passed away about two years and a few months ago. So it would have been, um, it would have been about 14 years. Yeah, 14 years. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah so 14 years later, um, so the way it happened was my wife had a migraine. 
Uh, she usually has migraine, but this time it's particularly bad and it was persistent. Then I just remember one Sunday evening, I just said, look, this is not good. Let's go to the hospital. Let's go emergency. Long story short, went to emergency. They thought it was a, a migraine, but because she was a doctor, they decided to kind of treat her a bit more seriously mm. and say, let's just wait here. And then um, they were taking us into another room and there was a spare room in the ED in Monash and uh, they closed the thing, gave her a gown to change. And uh, she changed and bang, in that moment, she just collapsed right in front of me. Um, she had a, a, a bleed in her brain um, and, uh, and she was out. And then they tried to get her alive and... And then uh, within one day, she basically died um, because of um, brain damage and, and the brain bleed. Um, yeah. So yeah. So considering yeah. you 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 know you you believe in God and you know everything happens for a reason, what was still going through your head at that point in time when you know that sudden death happened? Well, it was it was one. It's the worst news in my life. Mm. I mean, um, I was meant to be the one who died. Mm. You know, I, I never imagined it would have been her. Um, and we, we had two kids uh, at that time. There was six and four. Um, uh, sorry, six and three. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, and uh, I was devastated, obviously. <laughs> I was like, my whole life crumbled. I remember hugging my, my telling my children. Can you imagine having to tell your children mm. that their mom died? So did you uh, feel guilty? Like you, you're saying that so, it should have been you. Were you feeling guilty or something? Or that it should have been you. You wish you repl- you were replacing her instead of, yeah. Uh, not in a sense. It's a sense in the fact that I had stage four cancer. Mm. I'm the one who's meant to actually have passed away. We were all our life had prepared our mind mm. thinking around the sickness on my part, but never factored around the fact that actually she would go before me. Mm. Um, and so. Um, but yeah, it was devastating. I had to tell my son, you know, I remember telling him that our mom had passed away, took her, took him in to, to see uh, her and he just bawled and he goes, what are we going to do? And uh, it was horrible. Mm. Uh, but through that, um, again, my um, knowing God and the word of God in the Bible, like really helped instead. There's a passage in the Bible, a man called Job, who's a man familiar with suffering. Very similar. A lot of the bad things happened. People died. He was mm. sick and all that kind of stuff. But I walked through that and I learned through that and God spoke to me about how to deal with my suffering and how, how to understand it. Um, and um, yeah, we can go into that a bit more if that's relevant. Yeah. yeah. So do you think that maybe God wants you to kind of go through the experience firsthand to really understand it, not just theory, theory but more practical so that you can relate to people, you can really help people even more, yeah, make more impact? Um. I, I think God doesn't cause those things, but mm. he can work through all those things. Mm. Um, now, as to why those things happen, I know a lot of people say a lot of things, but I think in reality, no one really knows. Mm. I think there's uh, sometimes, especially when you're going through hardship, a lot of people go, why, why? They ask mm. the question, why? But I found that that question doesn't really give you the thing that you need. Mm. You know, uh, sometimes we think we have answers to the why, then we'll be able to move forward, but that's not true, you know? And I think number two, also, the, the why goes into a realm of things that we are not meant to know. There are some things that's beyond our reach and that we, we, we're, we're human beings and we can't know. Um, and you, in humility, you kind of got to accept the fact that you can't know these things. These things are in the realm of like God. It's like, do not enter unless I decided to reveal it to you. And so I think in reality, the honest truth answers I actually don't know. I don't know why these things happen. And mm. I think um, when I appear before God, I'll ask him and he'll give insight. But 
I think that the, the difference is that um, God is a God who's familiar with death. And the difference is that we can grieve, but we grieve with hope because there is eternity. And that's part of the Christian worldview. I know mm. not everyone believes that. And so in that sense, um, uh, it wasn't hopeless. It wasn't say, I'll see you later. Uh, it wasn't like, I'll, I'll never see you again. It was more like, I'll see you soon, you know? Um, and I think that's where it's a bit different. Uh, but that doesn't take away the process of grief that you have to walk through in the here and now. Um, I think the one biggest thing that I had to deal with was, again, the whole question of why God, why God? And it's in the Bible. You can read it in Job. And, mm. and through that, I realized at the end of it, he, he didn't have his answers. All he had was like, hey, you're God and I'm not. And who am I to question you? And, and I realized that at the end of the day, God is God and he can literally do whatever he wants. And I'm just an object of mercy and I'm not entitled. Yeah. And when I think I'm entitled, I deserve better, I do all that, then it's really hard to move forward. Yeah. Mm, you raise a really good point. So we feel like we're entitled to a long life, entitled to a great life. Everything is like expecting, um, yeah, the, the best and it's when things don't go our way that we feel disappointed. And you're, uh, it's really interesting to say to also don't have to get the answer because I think we all have a, a sense of control. We want to know everything. And so what do we replace the question why with? Like how would we handle it mentally? Yeah. So I, I think to, to, uh, to address the previous point, the best analogy I can give is because I'm, I'm a father of two children and sometimes... I always have this conversation when they, they do something wrong or I withhold something from them for their own good, they may not understand. Mm. They always come back to me and go, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, we can empathize with that. But the issue is not fairness. The issue is I'm a father and I know so much more sometimes and everything that they have is an act of grace from me, mm. right? It's an act of love and grace for me for them to have it. But sometimes it's little children they don't understand. And when you remove it from them, then they feel like it's not fair. They feel entitled. And so sometimes I have to parent my children to go, hey, everything you have is grace. Mm. <laughs> don't, don't live like you're entitled, you know? Um, and, and, and that's taught me a lot about my relationship with God the Father. It's that I'm like that six-year-old child sometimes, like I'm entitled to have this. But in reality is that my late wife, Wei, her name was Wei Lin, she was never mine to keep. Mm. She was always God's to give. And when you have that perspective, it's really different, right? Um, and so uh, in terms of why, um, I think you've got to shift from the why to who. Understanding who is God? Who is he like? Now, I know some people don't believe in God and don't have to. So, but I, you have to ask some of those existential questions, right? Mm. Yeah, fine. If you don't believe in God, then who's going to be in charge of life? Mm. Well, who is the best person to understand how the world works because you've reached your limit. That's the thing with suffering. Suffering makes you confront your limitations, the limitations of your perseverance, your resilience, what you're able to know, what you're able to understand. Uh, and at that point, you have an opportunity to go, am I going to move beyond me and understand the who of someone bigger? And well, in my case, I, I believe in Jesus and God, but, um, but some of us resolve that in many different ways. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I definitely didn't realize there was a God until about 10 years ago when I kind of surrendered and said, why is my life so horrible? God, help me. And um, yeah, I was touched by God. And I think the last 10 years has been my spiritual awakening and getting deeper and learning more about it. And um, yeah, so I think as you get older, 
God touches you in a different way. And is it through adversity that God reaches out? Is that kind of the the pattern? I think it's in it. God always reaches out. I think it's an adversity that we're more open to his reaching out. Mm-hmm. I think it's true that we're more open and probably uh, more humble mm. <laughs> to be able to go, I'm, I'm okay to receive help. I, I know um, there's a Bible verse that says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. In other words, blessed are you when you're at the end of your rope because with less of you, there is more of God and his rule in your life. It's just like, think about it. In every kind of relationship, people, some people need help, but they haven't reached a point where they realize they need to open themselves, humble themselves and go, hey, I need help. The help was always there, mm. but the openness wasn't. And I think uh, it's not that God's a crutch as such. It's just that we've actually come to terms with who we are in perspective of our maker. Mm. Yeah. That's so insightful. The other thing that I learned even as, as an entrepreneur, as a business person is also that you don't own anything. You know, like even when you were saying about you, you, you don't own your wife, your wife was a, a gift from God and you appreciate when she was there. Same as with, with, with business, with money. And can you, I guess as a pastor, can you explain uh, about that? Because I know we have viewers that are entrepreneurs or business owners. So, yeah. Yeah, I think... Um one of the key challenges is understanding where everything comes from, you know? Um, now, um, and I, again, I just want to acknowledge our, our different viewers. Not everyone will be of, of same faith, which is fine, you know? Um, but um, if you're a business owner and you think that it's through my resilience, through my smarts, through my strategy, through my uh, networking that has enabled me to be where I'm at, I think obviously there is. God gives us the ability to make those decisions. He gives us gifts. He gives us talents, abilities. We work hard. There's our responsibility at part. I think, um, and a lot of been there, a lot of successful people, you know, um, who've achieved success. Um, um, and so, um, so, but however, I think a, a healthier view, especially for um, business and entrepreneurs, is to understand that um, to hold things loosely because they don't belong to us. Mm. Is when we hold it as if it's ours, then when it gets taken away, when we face disappointment, when we face setback, we, we get, um, we can potentially get quite devastated. Mm. You know, we can become unhealthy in the way we relate to people in our trauma or in our suffering or our roadblocks, our obstacles. We tend to look inward, right, at ourselves and what we need rather than looking outward at um, people and others and looking upwards um, to, uh, in, towards God. Yeah. Mm, yeah, it brings me to the point of um, thinking abundantly as well because I think the more I think if you just think it's all yours and then you kind of have this lack mentality whereas I think the more you give away the more uh, there's a quote that you can never outgive the universe or God. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. So I, I'll give you an example. Um two two illustrations, right? One one was um many many years ago, um I had a friend who needed money and my wife and I, um, my late wife and I gave $10,000. We just felt led. We just passed it with no expectation of return. Anyway, a month later, I had a Christian brother who I haven't met for, spoken to for years and we finally did a catch up. At the end of the night, I felt him, uh, he turned to me and said, uh, hey, look, give us your net bank details. Uh, we want to be able to bless you because we believe in what you do. So anyway, I went home that night. Right? And then I, I said to my late wife, I just said, hey, I think God's going to give us our $10,000 back. <laughs> now, we don't give it expecting a return, obviously. 
Anyway, I didn't give my net bank details at all. Uh, and then the person kept insisting and I said, okay, fine, here it is. And surely enough, I got $10,000 in my bank account. Now, I never mentioned any of that to that friend. I never did any of that kind of stuff, but it showed to me that um, God's, when you believe that God owns everything, then you have an abundant mindset. Like you act not like a damn mentality. A damn mentality is where I need to save up all my savings. I feel like I need to have enough before I can consider others. And whereas a river mentality is like, hey, this doesn't belong to me. He gives, he takes it away. Yeah. He gives, he takes it away. And, and I think when you can tap into that, the, 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 the abundance mentality is, is totally different. And, and you can start thinking about others for their own good. Um, I'll give you another example. When I went through my sickness, um, my wife, my wife, late wife passing, um, she was the main breadwinner. I was getting a little bit stressed and all that. I decided to consolidate all my accounts and my two cars. I had three or two cars. So we decided to sell, I decided to sell two and buy a brand new car. Never purchased a brand new car in my life. And then um, I remember I put the deposit on, on a Wednesday. On a Thursday, I caught up with one of my Christian friends. And then they just said, hey, my wife and I actually felt we wanted to buy the exact same car. I got a Toyota hybrid. And they said, we wanted to buy the exact same car. And, um, and here's $37,000. Wow. And they just gave it to me. They go, no expectation in return. And they said, we, we believe in you and that we're going to try and support your kid's education for the next few years. And I'm like, obviously saying, no way, I, I can't accept this. And then he turned to me and said to me, at what point in your life have you gotten to where you are without help, mm. without grace, you know? And that's when I realized, no, it's true. Everything that I have is by the grace of God. Yeah. And, and, and so because of that, then he's basically saying, be humble and receive. And that's, I'm like, mm. sure, give it to me. That's a really <laughs> no, good point because I do have, I know of people, even my one of my uncle, he just has the inability to receive. He's a very generous guy, but he actually is putting his whole family in poverty because he just can't receive. Um, what would you say to people that kind of feels really guilty of, of receiving and, and yeah, not being able to accept gifts from people. I think you just got to ask why. Oh, now you can ask why. why. <laughs> now you can ask why. Like why, why is that difficult? Um, I think that will help, you know, hit in the direction of understanding what's going on on the inside. Mm. You know, it can be a lot of reasons, um, you know, multifaceted, but I think one of the reasons can also be, you know, pride, you know, mm. um, but I think, if you live like you've got nothing to prove, you've got nothing to lose, nothing to hide. And I think that's where Jesus Christ, I'm going to cross, you know, in my faith, that's what informs who I am, right? That he goes, um, I died for you even while you were a sinner. Nothing to prove. Yeah. Right? Like, I know everything about your good and bad, but yet I still died for you. Nothing to hide. Right? And then you know what? He laid down his life, but he gave it, rose again and he, he gave us an opportunity for eternal life. I've got nothing to lose in giving my life to him. So I think when we live with that mindset, nothing to prove, nothing to lose, nothing to hide as a person, then you, you can receive those things. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. When life, you need it, when you need mm. it, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Life has definitely been like a miracle for me ever since I did that surrendering. God help me. And when I finally asked, so I d totally agree or believe every story that you've told me. It just sounds such a, like a, a, a scene from a movie, you know, when you, yeah, it's just such a miraculous thing. Um, as we're going to a close, what would be the last message you would want to give to our viewers today? Mm. Um, 
I think from a from a obviously I'm going to come from a faith perspective. <laughs> um, I'll share just two. Um, one is okay. I'll just share it from this angle um, as a way of saying it. One thing that's common to every culture, every generation is life. Life happens. You, you get lonely, you want relationships, you long to have children, you want to build a family, you want to have purpose, you want to build success. You got to worry about money. You got to think about, you know, your welfare, luxury, comfort, but also the blessing of others. We have work, we have ambitions, we want to, we, life happens, no matter what culture, what are generations. And life is the opportunity for us to allow God to shape us, but also allow us to be able to discover who God is. And so when my wife passed away, within that year, I had to sit through 12 funerals. Wow. Right? Two suicides. I had to go through um, someone in my small group who passed away the same way my wife did a few months later. He had the same cancer I did, and he passed away with the same brain bleed. And I was in the hospital helping them. And, and I remember sitting in one of the funerals, and I thought to myself, Obviously, I, you know, I've been there. I understood what it's like. Now, I felt, so I remember saying this to myself, like, everyone's going to go through funerals. Everyone's going to die. It just happened earlier for me, for, for my wife, my late wife. But the key difference is what difference does Jesus make to funerals? What difference does Jesus make to failures? What, does Jesus, does, what difference does Jesus make to success? What difference does Jesus make when we're going through a divorce? And what difference does Jesus make when we're trying to work through parenting issues or, you know, thinking about your cash flow, managing your employees, thinking about your turnover, mm. uh, you know, um, thinking about expanding your business. Like we're going to all experience all the whole gamut of life, but the key difference is what difference does Jesus make? And I will put forward, I think all the difference. Yeah. Mm. And for you to consider that. Wow. So takes me to my last question. What do you want the world to remember Chi for? Um, I'm, I want Pete, the world to remember Chi as a good, uh, pointer. <laughs> yeah. Because I think in the world that we live in right now, in social media, everyone's wanting to be a name, a name for themselves. But I, I hope that my life can be a, be a voice uh, for Jesus. And, and they may not see me. They don't need to see me. They, I don't need to have a name. Uh, but when they see me, they, they see a sign pointing um, back to my maker and Jesus. Yeah. Beautiful. You've touched my life so much. I've, I love talking to you because you always bring so much wisdom into my life. I just, yeah, become even more godly every time I talk to you. Um, thank you so much. Uh, how do people connect with you? Yeah, yeah. Well, people can uh, connect with me uh, on my email. Um, chi.fireclaintchurch.org.au on website www.claintchurch.org.au we've got facebook page we've got an instagram account and all that yeah so they can connect me in that way yeah yeah thank you so much chi that was such an inspirational story and uh yeah you've just given us so much insights and advice on how to overcome adversity so yeah really grateful for your time today oh, thank you thanks for having me okay that's it, guys. It's Lynn Padetti here from Dawncast. That's another episode. If you're new to this channel, don't forget to subscribe and press the bell button for when our videos are uh, uploaded every single week. I'll see you next time. Bye. You better turn up.